Now, this teenager asks this. Is it wrong? Is it wrong for Christians to have a competitive spirit? Is it wrong for Christians to have a competitive spirit or a desire to win in competitions? Right? So, a very common struggle that Christians may go through in school, especially there's a lot of competitions going on now. So, this child of God feels, is it wrong? Now, for example, in individual or team sports. So, in sports, in games, whether individual or team sports, there's this great comp- competitiveness in school. So, you say, is it wrong? Now, do we need to stop this desire if we have this competitive spirit? Okay, so it's a spirit of competitiveness. I'm, I want to win. I want, I want to be number one. I, I want the other people to lose. I want to win. So if I have this kind of spirit in me, it means whatever I do, I, I'm very competitive. If a Christian is like that, should this Christian stop this kind of spirit? Then the second part is, can a Christian have a competitive spirit to some extent? Right? So I, I won't be like, I won't go overboard, but, uh, but is it all right to be a bit competitive? Now, for example, in competitive in school, in games, because, well, some of these are healthy competitions. So in healthy competitions, can I be somewhat competitive? But the person acknowledges, but it can lead to unhealthy competitions too, I know. So the person asks, so how? Is it wrong to be competitive to a certain extent? Okay, so I hope you understand the question. Now, what do you think? Maybe I ask parents straight away. No, no, I ask young ones. Who's very competitive? Put up your hands. Eh, suddenly, no one's competitive. <laughs> okay. Put up your hands. When children put their hands, their hands will go up. Stephen, okay. Anytime put up hands, hands goes up. Very competitive. All right. Children, my hands must go up first. Competitive. All right. Maybe I ask uh, Phoebe, are you competitive? What is competitive? Is it? You're not competitive. I see, all right. Oh, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes. All right, last person, Anna. Anna Wang, are you a competitive, competitive person in school? No, <laughs> I just want to lose. Just let me lose, right? The more I lose, the more, the more no one notices me. Not competitive. Now, what is competitive first? A competitive person, I took from Collins Dictionary, right? Collins Dictionary, not, not Dr. Collins, right? The famous Collins Dictionary. A competitive person is eager to be more successful than other people. Eager to be successful, more successful than another. I take from Cambridge um, Dictionary, wanting very much to win or to be more successful than the other people, right? So very similar, but I want to win. Eager to do better than others in activity, especially try to win in sports activity, okay? So, competitive. Now, based on that definition, do you think a Christian should be competitive? Let me ask. Um, Okay, let me ask who? My eyesight's not very good today. Philip, do you think, based on this, com- this definition, a Christian should be competitive? No. Yes or no? To some extent, right? To some extent. After I ask, to what extent? Um, ask the older ones. Um, 
Janelle, you got to speak loud. You're wearing mask. Should a Christian be competitive? Depends on. Depends on what it is. All right. Then, in what situation is is it good? Because you say depends. If it is what? If if it fulfills God's purpose. Well, I ask the famous one, um, Ignatius. <laughs> because we all know what you will say. We all know what you will say. Is when is it okay for a Christian to be competitive? When it is for? <laughs> so I see you have not changed. <laughs> for the glory of God. <laughs> all right, for the glory of God. There's always the right answer. For the glory of God. Well, Ignatius, when he first became a Christian in our midst, he was very concerned of the glory of God. So you always think of the glory of God. Well, that's not a bad thing. Well, for the glory of God, then it's not bad. Now, how is it for the glory of God? Okay? So let's, let's think about this. Now, well, it depends on the reason for this competitive spirit and the desire and the purpose. Okay? So some of you say, well, it depends on the purpose. Depends on the reason. Now, if competitiveness um, is, you know, it depends on what you are compet competing against. What are you competing against and what's the purpose in your heart? Now, maybe I ask, when can it be wrong, right? Before we go to for the glory of God, when can it be wrong? When can it be wrong? Julius, when can competitiveness become wrong? When they feel proud, very good, right? When your motive, I want to compete, I want to win, and I want to be better because I like to feel that people admire me. Pride, right? So now, so whenever that is the motive in your heart, it's always wrong, right? The sin of pride. Now, what other reasons can it be when it is wrong, for example? What else? Um... Let's see, Cornelius. Say again. When it goes, oh, I see. All right. When when you end up hating another person, is that what you say? Now, when it goes to hating another person, means I must win. I want to win. The other person win. Oh, I can't stand you. I hate you. Right? In fact, very often these, these sports activities nowadays you see it's like there is no sportsmanship. Hmm? They go at another person and then if 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 they if they lost to the other person <clears throat> during the during the game, they find a way to injure the other person so that they can win. Very very, very shameful sportsmanship. Yes, very good. When your heart knows that if I, I hate this person and I want to win against him. That's a very good example. In fact, the reason why I want to win in this game because I, I can't stand this person. I don't like this person. And to prove myself, I will prove myself that I'm better than him. All right? So, very good example. <clears throat> so, you can be in school activities. Well, it may not be a sinful activity. Let's this person say, what about if it is healthy competition? It's healthy competition, but you have unhealthy motives in your heart. Then you should not have that. All right? So, you must check your motives whenever you are involved in some competitive activity. Well, another one. What else can you think of? So, young people, I want you to think because you are facing this kind of thing in school, right? 
Isaac. When is competitiveness sinful? Say pride, you hate another person. Can't think of any. Very good. When you won't congratulate another. <laughs> Very good. All right? Then you know your competitive spirit is wrong. Because if the other person wins, you won't congratulate. Hmm. You know, I should have won. And even the person is really better than you, you just can't bring yourself to congratulate the other person. Very good. Right? So if you find that you're like that in school, even healthy competition and you're like that, well, you know you have an unhealthy, unhealthy motive in your heart. Now, what else? One more. One more. Um, Yifei. When competitiveness, I want to win, right? I want to do better than the person, and it's a sinful reason. Anything? The boast, all right, very good. The boast, you are, you are proud. Well, it's a bit different, right? Pride is you can hide it in your heart. You go home, you keep thinking, oh, I won, you know, and the other person lost. But boast is different. Boast comes out. Comes out. That's why sometimes, you know, Christians, when you play games, when you do well, don't act like the world, right? You boast, show off. What's that? Huh? The bolt or what, you know? What they do, then you go around doing this and all sorts of behaviors that boast, punt your competitor. Then you know that, well, your pride is openly shown. Okay, that is a bad spirit. That is a bad spirit. Maybe, what are some of the signs, all right? Some of the signs. Yes, you can't congratulate another person. You won't acknowledge the other person's um, success. Now, what happens when it is in church? What happens in the church? You see, well, there's no competition in church, right? But can you actually, can you actually be competitive in church? There's no competition in church, right? Do we organize any competition? <laughs> no, right? Now, actually, that is one of the reasons why we don't have competitions in churches. Because it is a very easy thing for young people without understanding, and even with understanding, to fall into a bad spirit. To bad. In fact, it fosters, it engenders an unhealthy spirit. Jennifer, why? Why, when, why is it then that, that having competitions, for example, in church, have a tendency to build a, a bad spirit? Why? You don't understand the question. Um, so, for example, in church, why don't we hold competition, right? Memory was our competition and who wins and then wins a prize, that kind of thing. Say again? Causes disunity in church. How? You're doing separately. Well, is that really evil? We do have some games in church. Now, where we need to be very careful. For example, in our children's church camp, we don't want to have, for example, you win, you get a prize. You notice all our games, there is, we generally don't want to give prizes. So number one, we give you this prize and this group win this prize. It's, it's uh, we can, now I'm not saying it's all sinful, but sometimes we can create this, this unhealthy spirit and we are very competitive. We won the prize, so we, we work. 
and then we, we jeer at one another, and then we become very unfriendly to one another, um, that kind of thing, all right? So, it's, it's, there is a danger. I'm not saying that it's definitely sinful to give out a price, but this is one of the things why we want to be a bit more careful here. And yes, I think Jennifer is right also. You see, God says be united. But sometimes competition makes us pit one against the other. Uh, it can engender this kind of spirit. I want to say again, I'm not saying it's always wrong, it's always sinful, but it's difficult to manage after some time. Right? Sometimes after some time, we realize the children, they want to get the best memory verse um, reciter and the, the best this, the best that at church camp. Sometimes they get jealous of one another. They're very young, right? Then you begin to value, you value self over teamwork and many of this. We want to try and create an environment where people learn to help one another, all right? Now, so one of the spirit that you know is wrong when you are not keen to help someone in school, at work, when, it's a, when you become a very competitive person, even when it is not a game, even when there is no competition in church. But a competitive spirit is one I want to be better and I want to win. So when I'm playing the piano, cooking, um, um, teaching Sunday school and so on, you become, I want to be the one that people praise. Now that's very different. I want to do the best for the Lord, right? For the Lord. That is not wrong. But we need to examine our hearts very carefully. I want to be better than the other person because it makes me feel good, more superior. Now then you end up in a situation where you won't help. So competitive spirit, what I'm trying to point out is what is dangerous about competitive spirit and we, we must examine our hearts. The Christian must always want to help others, all right? Yeah, in competition, in games, you don't purposely, ah, let me help you win, ah, I, hit. I keep missing the ball, <laughs> right? There's a competition. But you don't go, you don't do it for the wrong reason, all right? You do your best. But be careful when it carries over a competitive spirit. It carries over to you suddenly become everything. You just want to win, you know? You just want to, want to be the best against another person. Now, then that becomes dangerous. And over time, instead of helping, all right, someone just join and just join the committee needs to do something maybe for church committee and what you want to do but you're very competitive you know when i do it i do it this way and it's always the best people praise it and then i don't want to help the other person because if i help the other person what happens if the person do it, do it better than me serve better than me so now the competitive spirit becomes sinful and now you have always i will hold back i don't want to help others all right so teens young ones you know, holiday Bible program, you make crafts, you make crafts, right? Be very careful of a competitive spirit, all right, young ones? Look here, I want to be the first to finish. Why? Then I can show off. I want to make, the, make it the nicest one, the most colorful one, right? Why? Because then I can say, hey, see, mine is the best in class, and then show off, boast. That is wrong. That is not good. You want to do best. Now, Ben, maybe I read to you 1 Corinthians 14 12 even so ye for as much as ye are zealous of spiritual gifts seek that ye may excel to the edifying of the church now if you carry competitive spirit there, there are competition out there in the world you play certain activity there are competition but when you begin to become so engrossed in it you carry it into church now God says now whatever you do as a Christian you seek to excel why do you seek to excel seek to be the best why do you seek to be the best 1 Corinthians 14, 12 say, 
that you may excel to the edifying of the church is always to help others, to make others better. All right, especially spiritual, to help the work of God be better. Do you have that competitive spirit, even adults, when you serve in committees? We want to be the best-known committee in church. Very common in churches. We want to be the biggest committee. We want to do the thing in the most fanciful way. All, right, all these kind of things. Now, Christian, when you do that, you begin to fail the warning. Now, God says this, Proverbs 24. Let's turn to Proverbs 24, 17 to 12. So, sinful motives is the problem, all right? Proverbs 24. Now, let's read verses 17 to 18. Proverbs 24, 17 to 18. Reading together, reading. Rejoice not when thine enemy falleth, and let not thy heart be glad when he stumbleth. Lest the Lord see it, and it displease him, and he turn away his wrath from him. So God says, when, when your enemy falls, now don't rejoice. Now, nowadays, the competitive spirit is so bad, when your enemy falls, it's not they fall themselves. You purposely make them fall, right? So that kind of spirit reaches that. And in your heart, right, let thine heart not be, uh, be, not be glad when he stumbles. Are we like that? You play games and the person stumbles, yeah, then we laugh, it's so stupid and all that. Now, that kind of spirit that comes out of a competitive, a negative competitive spirit, we must, we must get rid of. Right? So, the Christian, now, these are the motives that are definitely wrong. We studied, we've been studying in prayer meeting. In the last days, men, one of the sin men will be proud. Men will be boasters. Competitive spirit leads you to that kind of situation. All right? Now, can it be you can also be competitive in not competitive things, even in spiritual things, right? I mentioned some of them already. In church, for example. So I'm addressing this. It's not even a competitive situation. Maybe pastor asks so-and-so to do something, right? Ask you to do something. And then pastor also asks someone else to do something. Then you look. Hmm? Why pastor ask him as well? I want to do this kind of things. Now, this always happens in peer groups. You know, peer groups means usually same age. If I ask an elderly person to do it, well, the young won't. But if, if you see another young person also asked to do it, then you look, hmm, why, why is the other person? Why not me? Why not me as well? Very dangerous. Peers. You feel that they become a threat. Now, if in church you have a competitive spirit, this is not even a competition in church, but we can have the competitive spirit. It means you, well, someone new comes in, or you help the person, then after some time, hey, the person becomes more popular. Other people like, then that competitive spirit comes up. I want to be the more popular one. I want to be the one that's center of the attention. I want to be the one that, is, that people like more, that people do things for. Then slowly you say, well, the competitive spirit will lead you I'm not going to help this person anymore. Because when I helped, this person became more popular, more liked. You see, competitive spirit is, has many evil motives that we need to be careful of. And sometimes it can be, well, even, well, these church, churches nowadays, all right, churches nowadays become very competitive. It's always about showing the numbers. How many hits to our website? How many hits to our um, to our this program and that program. Right? And they tout it. 
You know, uh, this program, how many people around the world or how many people uh, tuned in and all that. Now, sometimes this can become, it can be out of a competitiveness or pride. Be very careful of all these things, even in spiritual things. Now, what else? Sometimes, um, non-quantifiable things. We become competitive as well. What are non-quantifiable? Well, maybe like, I would say quantifiable still. Someone teaches Sunday school better. Then you want to be better. And do all sorts of antiques, all sorts of things, right? Some, maybe some, some people are children. Children like the other adult better. Then we feel jealous, we feel envious. Then we are very competitive. No, I want the child to like me more. So all these kind of things can well up in our hearts. You know, in the world, very often is even who gets married first, right? Two-person planning marriage. Now, I want to be the first to get married. Competitiveness over meaningless, un unnecessary um, things. Parents, are you competitive to make your child um, the best in school, even in church? I always want my child to be well-known, not to be best for the Lord. Alright, so now if you consistently show this kind of sign, you know that you have a spirit of competition that is wrong, that is sinful. Alright, I hope I explained to this person. Now, what about the situation where it's okay? So, yes, there are competition in school. When you play, watch your attitude, watch your spirit very, very closely. Now, then when is it alright? What is the best way to think? Because there are competitions in school. When, what is the best way to think? Right, so, for example, there is, uh, there is competition of, of uh, debates, debate team. And you don't purposely throw in the towel to lose. That kind of thing, like, don't be competitive. Now, how, how to be involved in a competitive thing in school or at work? Now, without falling into sin. Now, ask some more children. Now, it gets more difficult, right? gets more difficult. Who have I not asked? Um, uh, Anna, Anna Wang. How? All right, the school have competition. Anna? Eh, not Anna. Um, your sister. All right? Now, yes, Grace. Now, how to, to be in a competitive um, game, which are always present in the world, but without falling into this sin? How? All right? Do you understand the question? So avoid falling into this sinful, competitive spirit. But you still need to compete. Any ideas? No? All right, I'll let you think. One more person. Maybe ask the university students, all right? You're involved in competitive games, I'm sure. Uh, um, Jillian. You do your best. You don't wish ill on your opponent. You just do your best. You do your best. That's all. That's all. You, you're not doing your best so that you can, you can make the other person feel lousy, um, make the other person, well, he lose, I win, that kind of thing. You just do your best. That's all. Right? So the person asks, can a, person, can a Christian have a competitive spirit to some extent? Now, if you mean competitive means I do my very best and I want my, and, and I give it my very best. It means you now, actually, now you're competing against who? Jillian. Very good. You're competing against yourself. 
It's not about me win, you lose. It's about, well, I set a goal, I set my personal best, and I compete against myself. All right? So, well, then you, you, you don't have this negative spirit coming up. And even when you do your best, but something still can come out wrong, right? You compete against your best, and then you do your best, you still end up showing off. <laughs> that, can be a, that is still a problem, okay? You may not be, wish ill on others, but you, show, you, you are proud in it. That's one. You do your very best, you compete against yourself. Now, when else can competing against yourself become wrong? When else can competing against yourself become wrong? Hazel. Becomes what? When he becomes an idol, you become obsessive with it, right? Can we become like that? Yeah, you're actually, your best is really very good. But it's an obsession. This is my personal best. I'm going to up it. I'm going to up it until it becomes an idol to you. It becomes an, an obsession. So yes, you, you may not have this unhealthy competition of, of I win, you lose. But now it becomes something that, well, you can't stop doing it. You can't stop thinking about it. You can't keep practicing and practicing and practicing to beat your personal best until you neglect your Christian walk. Now it becomes an idol, right? So, very good. Now, parents, if you notice this kind of spirit in your young ones, you must step in immediately. Talk to them, teach them, correct them, restrain them. Because once this kind of competitive spirit occurs in the school, but school always will teach you to be competitive, right? The Christian must keep controlling your thinking in your own heart. It is not against someone, you win, I lose, number two, and even if it's against my personal best, I must be controlled and don't let it turn into an idol. And even if I've done my personal best, I don't go around gloating, okay? So I hope um, it helps this person to understand. And parents, please be very, very careful, all right? So I hope that I help this person understand um, this, and I hope I've covered everything that I wanted to. Yes, so a competitive spirit. I think I've covered everything. Now, now to the next, the, to the next point, uh, to the next question. To the next question. Well, actually, I ask um, Jennifer. Have I answered your question? You understand? All right. I just summarize very quickly for everyone. Competition will happen in school. Number one. Don't play competitively to because. Of your feelings about the other person. I want you to lose. Right? I, I want you to be embarrassed. I want you to fall. I want you to stumble. It's simply doing your best. That's all. And doing your best, you still need to be very careful. Okay? Now, next one. So, this person asks, in hermeneutics, well, um, how to study the Bible part 2, minute 41 and 30 seconds. Alright? So, this person watched um, my video on hermeneutics, how to study the Bible. She asked, um, Pastor, Pastor mentioned that the theological context for Abraham asking his servant to find a wife for Isaac in his hometown is to keep the line pure for the seed to come. But is, it, is the line pure if Ruth, who was a Moabite, married Boaz? Okay, so you understand the question? So I say, well, you know, um, um, Abraham told his servant, go find a wife in, his, in Abraham's hometown to keep the, pure, the line pure. But he said, is the line really pure? Because after all, 
Ruth is a Moabite, and Ruth married Boaz. So the line is not pure. So how do I what, what do I mean by that? So let me explain. Now please turn with me to Genesis 24. Genesis 24. Genesis 24, verses 3 to 4. Genesis 24, verses 3 to 4. What do I mean by pure? And there are spiritual lessons to learn. Reading, And I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell, but thou shalt go unto my country and to my kindred and take a wife unto my son Isaac. So I said, well, you know, um, some people, they... they, they they um, 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 allegorize a lot of things, and they say, well, this is simply about keeping the line pure. So you say, but if Ruth was not part of God's people, Ruth was a Moabite, then, well, the whole line is impure. So how to answer that? Do you understand the question? I hope you do. Huh? Um, and then I ask, uh, Wei Chen, wow, you're studying the Bible very, very seriously. So, not pure. After all, Ruth is a Moabite, so what purity are we talking about? More on the faith. Very good. Wow, so fast. Okay. More about the faith. Now, this purity is, is about marrying, about no intermarriages. That is what it means. All right? Now, you look at how... how um, Abraham talks about it. Thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of Canaanites, but instead, my country, my kindred, my people. All right? And this is a talk, talking about marrying among, among the people, his people. All right? And for example, where, where is this, this people? Now, if you turn to Genesis 31, Genesis 31. Genesis 31. Now let's read verse 53. Verse 53, Genesis 31, verse 53. Reading, The God of Abraham and the God of Nahor, the God of their father, judge betwixt us. And Jacob swear, unto, swear by the fear of his father Isaac. Now this is to, to go to the people of Nahor and the people of Nahor, his kindred, Nahor. And Nahor, in the Bible, it says the God of Abraham and the God of Nahor. So it is about those that have, a, uh, that have the God of Abraham as their God. That is the purity. So it's to not intermarry because the Canaanites, they are known to be people who reject the God of Abraham. There are people who um, are idol worshippers, are, are very um, wicked in their religion, so the point of the purity is within the faith. The God, go to my kindred, Nahor, the God of, and the God of Nahor is the God of Abraham. So that is the purity because God already said, now can you please turn, can you please turn to Deuteronomy? Deuteronomy chapter 7. Deuteronomy chapter 7. 
Right, let's read verses 3 to 4. You're very familiar with this, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verses 3 to 4, reading, Neither shalt thou make marriages with them, thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son, for they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So, they, so will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you and destroy thee suddenly. Now here, God told the people the same principle. You marry unbelievers. They are going to turn your children away and serve other gods. The whole problem is the purity of the future generation as well. They will turn your children. So it's about a generation purity. If they were to marry, if Isaac was to marry women of the Canaanites, God already said, this, this, their wife will turn the future generation away from God. It will be a big chaos. One of the things that, that God promised to Abraham is your seed. So first thing, Abraham must have a seed. And the other one is, it is to then get a wife of the inhabitants of, of the same faith. Because that will ensure the purity of the people, their practices and all. If, if they were to marry unbelievers, it will grow. I mean, even when they married unbelievers, it was a, still a big problem, right? So the purity is the purity of keeping the, the faith pure within the people as they marry. They need to give birth to children. But the question, right, so now here, I ask parents, so what are the lessons? We just learned about purity on Friday. What are the lessons? So your child asks you, then you go and research, you say, well, this purity is about, well, purity of the faith, Okay, the purity of the faith, then the line, all right, the generation will be kept. All right, so you understand, Michelle? Okay, so that is what we mean. So parents, before we go to Ruth, so parents, then you say, ah, oh, daddy, I understand now. Then, then they ask you, but daddy, so what's the spiritual lesson? No use giving facts, right? All right, so they ask, for example, um, okay, they ask daddy, and then daddy say, very good question, son. I want you to tell me first. <laughs> right? So ask the children. Because these teens, right? So I don't ask daddies first. Um, let me ask young ones first. Uh, who have I not asked? Um, Elisha, you want to try? So you ask your daddy. Then Eugene says, you tell me what you learned first. <laughs> okay? What are you going to say? What have you learned? Oh, must marry, don't have intermarriages. If not, my children, they will, if God wants me to marry my children, they will be worshipping other gods. What do you think is the lesson? Only marry Christians. All right? The very, that's what you said, right? Yes. Only marry Christians. So that's the first lesson. Right from the beginning, God says that. Now, if a Christian marry an unbeliever, what is going to happen? Your God's promise, God's warning are always true. You see over and over again. Well, there are some exceptions, but by and large, when the children grow up, they will go worship other gods. They will be heathens even. And what was going to happen? Same for the church. The church will be weakened. The church depends on the next generation of godly people. If that don't happen, the work of God will be affected, right? So very good. The principle even in the New Testament is, well, you can marry only in the Lord, only in the Lord. 
So that's one. Many Christians. Now, what other lessons can you learn? All right, now daddies. Okay. Um, oh, you're lucky I forget your name. You're fortunate I forget your name. Uh, I said daddies. All right, um, Alex. Thomas, I'll come to you. I remember your name. <laughs> Alex. Quickly, Alex. Uh-huh. I remember Thomas' name. You don't have to. Okay, Thomas, he deferred to you. He gave you the privilege. Okay, so still the same thing about marrying Christians. But, well, I have to answer because we're running out of time. Now, the Bible also has another principle. If two, how can two walk together? Michelle is smiling a lot. Yes, Michelle. How can two walk together? Yeah, if they're not be agreed, if they're not of the same mind. So even if you marry another Christian, can you walk together if your convictions, your um, your your desires for the Lord are different. So you can marry a so-called Christian because Christians always have this idea, as long as Christian. But there is another principle in the Bible. Well, number one, people can be professing Christian. You look at their life. If they are carnal, they are worldly, they don't love the Lord, they don't study the Word, you don't say, oh, well, as long as Christian. Right? As long as Christian. You still have to marry someone that you know will walk in agreement with you in your in your your um, desires for the Lord, all right? So that is another thing that you should learn from that. So parents, please remember this. So teens, young people, please remember this. Don't just think it's a Christian, then that's it. There are many who profess to be Christian. There are many who are very carnal Christians. It's not going to help you. They will still take your children to worship um, the world, okay? So that is another one. But the last one we still need to answer. So Michelle asked this. But is the line pure if Ruth who was a Moabite married Boaz. Do you understand the... You understand the point? Uh, okay, Eugene. Do you understand the point? Yeah, okay. So you... Since this is... Hmm? She is... Yeah, so, so mm-hmm. she, she Okay, so the answer is, well, yeah, she, she's a Moabite, but the point is this, the faith, remember, is about the faith, within the faith. She made it very clear that she takes the God of um, the Jews as her God, Right? Now, let me read to you, since we don't have time, but you know this very well, Ruth 1.16. And Ruth said, Entreat me not to leave thee, nor to, or to return from falling after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people shall be my people, and thy God, my God. All right, so she, became, she was a believer, very strong believer instead, really. He said, I am leaving my people, my, my, my family. It's a very big thing. The husband said, but I said, you can go back. But I don't want my people anymore. Your people, because I, am part, I believe in this God. 
So she was a believer. But now this, oh yeah, this color. So is, well, we have Adam, right? Rod, will it help if it's on? <laughs> it should. <laughs> okay, so, so now if, if you think there's Adam and then they go line, 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 all right, then there is Abraham, Abraham, and then Abraham, Isaac, A-I-J, Jacob, all right, and go on and on. And then we have Boaz, correct? Then Boaz, but he said, well, Bo, it's a line pure. Boaz, Boaz is, um, is not uh, Ruth, all right, Ruth. So, number one, the answer is this, is in the faith. And she was a strong Christian by the exp explanation she gave. Now, but then you come to, then we know there's Jesse, and then there's David, correct? David. Then the line of Jesus Christ. So, you said this line has to be pure, correct? Well, number one, believer, so that is not the question. And you see in the Bible, the line always follow the male, the male. So, mention of Boaz, correct? Then David, correct? But I ask you a difficult question, which I'm very late now. Okay, no time to eat my lunch. Now, but Mary, what about Mary? How to, how to reconcile Mary? Why does God mention Mary's line? Because we have, we have Joseph's line, and you trace, trace, trace to Christ, all right? So David, Joseph, to Christ. But why does the Bible also mention Mary? Because we say the Bible always mentions the men, the male, the lineage is the male. So male, 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 Boaz, male, and David, then Joseph, then the line. But why? Why Mary's line was also mentioned from David? Uh, Colin, why? Very good, very good. Yes, it's always male, male, male. Why does God also mention the line of the woman, female? Mary in specific. Because now Mary, Joe, Christ must be born of, well, be conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of virgin birth. So if he's born of a virgin birth, you, they mention Joseph, yes. But Joseph is not the, 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 the father, so to speak, in that sense. But Mary alone bore Christ. And then therefore Mary must also be in that line. All right? So understand how God works. Okay? Now, we are very late. Let us... Please submit questions, all right? Let us turn to God in prayer.